You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Web usability guru Jacob Nielsen goes on the record. The press room is not just for the press or for journalists, it's also for investors. And again, professional investors might know, but it's also for individual investors. It's also for your customers, anywhere from a small business customer to a home consumer to maybe a big enterprise customer. And, and these people have very varying backgrounds and experiences. And so the more you can be very kind of plain spoken and use simple terms that everybody knows, the better. So people really know what you mean when you say when you say press room. And welcome to another episode of On the Record Online, the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. We do in-depth interviews with journalists from the mainstream media as well as, from time to time, discussions with influential bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers. And we talk about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the mainstream media business as we know it. My name is Eric Schwartzman, and I am the founder and president of iPressroom Corporation. We help organizations integrate the web into their public relations and marketing initiatives. I am also personally and professionally interested in how technology is changing the way organizations communicate and the way people consume media and information. Today we have a one-on-one interview with web usability expert Jacob Nielsen. Many of you may remember him. Uh, He published a report in March 2003 on using websites for maximizing uh, press press relations, media relations. Um, if you would like to subscribe to this show, uh, you can get it at www.ontherecordpodcast.com. Uh, if you would like to send feedback or comments or questions, two ways to do that. You can either post them to my blog at www.spinfluencer.com or by sending me email to eric at ontherecordpodcast.com. And now we're going to play for you the interview with Jacob Nielsen in its entirety after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from iPressroom. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom. Tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Jacob Nielsen, Ph.D., is a principal at the Nielsen Norman Group and the author of Designing Web Utility, which has sold more than a quarter of a million copies in 21 languages. The New York Times calls him the guru of web page usability. U.S. News and World Report calls Nielsen the world's leading expert on web usability. He holds 79 U.S. patents, mainly on ways of making the Internet easier to use. I am pleased to have him with us on this podcast. Thank you. It's great to be on the show. Now, uh, I know in uh, March of '03 you put out a report. Um, I remember because I, I was among one of the first ones, I think, to buy it. Great. Thank you. And I'm just reaching for it here. Uh, the title of the report was Designing Websites to Maximize Press Relations. 
And I would like to discuss um, it, it specifically. My first question I, I'd like to ask you is, is it important for organizations to have uh, a press area, an Internet press room? Oh, I would definitely say yes. And, and actually, for, for more reasons than you just might think, uh, certainly the first and most obvious reason is for PR, um, traditionally defined PR, media relations, reaching out to journalists, allowing them to get the information they want quickly. And in, in the study you mentioned, we um, did um, usability testing with a large number of journalists from many, many different publications, from, from small to big newspapers, big national newspapers, uh, big uh, radio shows, and also magazines and, and very specialized publications. And they all said that, well, when they're planning a story or thinking about a story, one of the things they do is they go to, to the websites to check out those companies, and they want to be able to get uh, information about what's going on. They want to get the company's perspective. They may not repeat it just as, as stated, but they want to know it, and they certainly also want more practical things like easy ways of getting in touch with a PR representative at the company. So those are all good reasons to design uh, that online uh, press area of your website such that it's easy for the journalists and such that you can get make a better impression on them and, and thus get more press coverage. But there's also a second reason, which is in this kind of modern world, um, the web is its own medium as well, and you have a lot of additional types of users who are going to go and check out uh, your news and, for example, they could be investors or financial analysts who are, for many companies, a very important target audience. And they could also be just um, regular customers who, before they want to do business with a company, just want to check it out, see what it's up to, see what it's been doing recently. Is this a stagnant, static company? Or are they doing things? And yeah. so that's another reason that you really want to work on that, that press room, because yeah. it's actually beyond the press. Jacob, what role does the Internet press room play in shaping reputations online? Well, I mean, it's only one part of, of many other things, obviously, but I think it does have an important role to play. And because people do recognize that there's news, and this is the place you go to get the company's take on the news, and, and they're going to read it with a little bit of a skeptical eye. They're not going to take literally everything you say uh, at, at face value. But one thing we've found in, in our user studies, and we've done studies not just with journalists, as I mentioned, but also with financial analysts and certainly many, many studies just with, with customers. And we know that they actually want to know the company's perspective. Where does the company think it's going? What does the company think are the most important developments with its own products or in the industry? So that angle, the company's own angle, is something that, that people are looking for, uh, whether it's journalists, whether it's investors, or whether it's customers. They all want this information, and, and the press room is, is where to go and get it. So companies that really want to communicate online should use this ability to reach both to the media and also directly uh, to the public. Is there a correlation between the user experience and the perceived competency of an organization's staff? Um, very much so. I mean, we have a lot of videotape of, of, of people saying things like, 
yeah, I can't believe this is so clumsy. If they can't even put up a press piece, I can read it. You know, how can their products be any good, and and so forth. So it's it's an exponent of your commitment to basically service quality or, or um, customer customer care, how well you treat people on your website. And so if it's difficult to find information, people assume it's going to be difficult to do business with you, and they assume that uh, you probably don't quite know <laughs> know how to how to use modern technology and so be with it. So definitely there is, when, when we measure um, user satisfaction, uh, it's very highly correlated to so just ability to get things done on the website, find things, understand things, how clearly it's communicated. Uh, those factors have extraordinary strong impact on people because they're sitting right there with the mouse, clicking on your website, and, and much too often getting frustrated. That's sort of the sad thing about, about doing these user studies is how often we find frustration how often we see people being very disappointed in even even major corporations in their level of commitment to online service. Now, in your report, Designing Websites to Maximize Press Relations, uh, I know you had some findings about uh, the potential impact of uh, fa failure to deliver basic information in an organization's uh, press room to a journalist's perception of that organization. If you can, summarize your findings for us. Well, um, just one example of, of a finding is how easy is it to find a PR contact? How, how well is it presented in a way that makes the journalist think that if they bother contacting you, you will actually get back to them? And what happens if, if the journalist thinks that this is not going to happen, well, very often they have a lot of other companies that they could call instead to get a quote, and that's what they're going to do. So very often those type of, of, of decisions as to who to contact can be made based on this, this level of do they seem to be, to be easy to deal with or does it seem it's going to be a hassle and a drag to get anything out of them because they can't, even online, uh, communicate clearly. So that, I think, is, is one of the really big big issues there. I should say, though, it sort of sounds so negative. In, in, in fact, it, it, we can also put a positive spin on it, which is to say that we've actually done several of these studies of the, um, of the usability of online press areas, and in fact, they do tend to improve over the years. So, uh, you know, back in the early days, it was it was really bad, and I think it's getting to be better because these guidelines have now been documented for some time, and and it is getting better. But I still think that it's far, quite far to go for most companies. Even even a simple thing like um, reformatting your press releases to work for online is is very often not done. Very often they're just kind of stuck on the website. Um, in, in, in a formatting that does not work well for online reading without any good hypertext links uh, such that you can go from what's being described in the press release into, let's say, the product page or more information about. Those are sort of simple things you can do online that you, know, you wouldn't do in, a, in an old-fashioned press release, but you should definitely do it when you put it on your website. Now, what is your opinion on the use of flash animation? I know a lot of companies like to use flash to uh, you know, spice things up. Is flash animation an impediment or a benefit to a corporate internet press room? Um, it's almost always an impediment because 
uh, journalists really want to get the facts and they want to get it fast because these guys are under deadline pressure. Um, another thing we, we found in our study is that a lot of journalists tend to work from home either because they're freelancers or just because they, they like to do that. And so they often tend to have a little often tend to have a little bit of older equipment maybe or their computers are not completely up to date with the latest software and so it can be quite a pain for them with websites that use too much kind of advanced stuff and too much multimedia uh, and, and, and Flash in particular I mean it certainly has its uses and there are times when showing an animation could communicate a point much more clearly than a photograph or some text so I'm not saying never to use it, but just kind of the the, the, the spinning logos and and the bouncing heads and and and, and this kind of just incessant movement and noisy music that plays all the time that tends to more antagonize people than it does help them. So I really would would caution against using that. What is the importance of search engine optimizing the content in your internet press room? And so, oh. just or, or just to go one step further, is there a relationship between how easy it is to find an organization online and how that organization is perceived by the searcher? Uh, very much so. You could actually say that maybe the organization is not being perceived at all if it's not found, and, and in that case, that's like the worst case, really. Um, but we do know that users are getting more and more search dominant as the years go by. Uh, certainly for journalists, that was the number one way when they were starting to research something is they would plug the name into uh, mainly Google, but, but certainly various search engines, but, but mainly Google, and they would see what comes up. And the first page really defines your image on the Internet. So you've got to be, be heavily represented there. Um, or, I mean, it's almost as if you didn't exist if, you, if you're not... No, on the first page. This is not just when you, people search for your company name, which certainly you should show up there, but it's also some things like searching for names of, of leading executives, for product names, or for product categories. And that's where it becomes more difficult for many companies to get good placement, but it's well worth the effort to really go into search engine optimization because that is just so much the way uh, people find things on the web today. Now, in the second edition of your report, Designing Websites to Maximize Press Relations, uh, you noted the importance of providing a link to press information on a company's homepage or in the About Us section, and you actually listed several options for how to label that link, uh, including press information, press room, and press. What is the advantage of using the term press room over newsroom or media room? Well, it's just that it's more simple and clear and more people will understand it. And, and I think all of these terms will probably actually work. It's just that we, we found that, that press just tends to be just a little bit better. And, and also things like media relations is a terminology that's not always understood by average users. And remember that the press room is not just for the press or for journalists. It's also for investors and again, professional investors might know, but it's also for individual investors. It's also for your customers, anywhere from a small business customer to a home consumer to maybe a big enterprise customer. And, and these people have very varying backgrounds and experiences. And so the more you can be very kind of plain spoken and use simple terms that everybody knows, 
the better. So people really know what you mean when you say when you say press room. What are some of the most common mistakes uh, people make with respect to integrating an internet press room into their company's website? Well, I think the the biggest mistake is not to integrate it, and then well, maybe the biggest mistake is not to have it. But but after that, it would be not to integrate it, and and so you often find that it's sort of stuck on the side, and uh, there are no no links between uh, the rest of the site and and the press area. Uh, you find that it's 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 recycled or repurposed information that uh, doesn't really work well online. That sort of big blocks of text that's so dense and heavy and intimidating that people don't want to bother reading it. Those are some of the very, very typical mistakes that, that we see a lot of companies make. Um, another mistake that's common is just not explaining what the company does. And this sounds like such an obvious point, but um, not everybody will know who you are, even if you're a ex- very famous company. And most companies honestly are not very famous. They're at most medium famous and then often not famous at all. And so what happens when somebody approaches you is that their their very first question is, okay, who are these guys at all? And so you want to say, you know, what do you do? There's just the basic facts about your size and your history and your location and things. Just the very basic facts. Those facts are often almost impossible to retrieve off of a website. I mean, it's it sounds odd, but that's that's the, the the truth. When we do the studies, we often find people fail in understanding even what a company does, and then of course everything else falls apart. Now, often the realization that an internet press room is important um, becomes a cause for concern amongst pe- public relations practitioners because they fear that maintaining it will create too much work for them and that they'll be unable to keep up with their normal job functions. So do you think an internet press room creates more or less work for a public relations practitioner? Well, um, it creates certainly some work, but it can also alleviate other work. For example, you don't have to answer those really basic questions like when was the company founded, what is the correct spelling of the CEO's name, or um, another thing that, that we found to be big is having high-quality downloadable photographs of things, anything from products to executives, um, things or, or the, your buildings or other types of illustrations that uh, various uh, media may want to use. And so some of the, 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 the biggest, you know, most, most, you know, the biggest, richest ma- magazines will probably always want to send out their own photographer. But you get a lot of additional publications where the uh, the photo editor is just as happy to just go on the on online and two mouse clicks and here's a set of ten good photos and they select the one they want to use and they have it downloaded in extremely high resolution and and ready to ready to print and so that can save you a lot of time and also some pragmatic expense in not having to FedEx uh, photographs all over the world so those can be big savings as well. Now, seeing as how there is so much research. Uh, that underscores uh, the importance and benefits of maintaining an internet press room with respect to having information available in a variety of formats. What do you see as the biggest challenges organizations face with respect to actually implementing uh, an online media center or or online press room? But the the organizational challenge is probably that that it is 
a different way of thinking. It's a different type of, well, technology. It's a technologically mediated type of communication, and uh, many um, communications professionals have probably been used to a more traditional, maybe kind of old-fashioned way of of disseminating their information. And this point about all of a sudden it runs in a server, and you've got to get some geeks involved to make it actually work, um, can be an issue. And those people are typically in a different department and may not prioritize your concerns very highly, um, but you've got to work with them anyway. And so that's definitely a big impediment in many, many, many cases, that you have this organizational fragmentation and who is responsible for what. And, and the website is, is typically run by some other some other group, and you gotta you just gotta collaborate with them, and, and and it's to everybody's advantage because it makes the website richer and better and improves the user experience for everybody, uh, from journalists to um, regular customers, even actually even completely different uh, user groups like like job seekers. Uh, will also want to go and see what's new with this company you know, before they consider to maybe go and work there. So it, it is really something that's an integrated, kind of holistic view of presenting information. And so you've got to have that view, and you've got to be more of a collaboration. And as in the past, of course, each department was used to just doing its own thing and not having to worry about the other groups, and now, now they've got to get together. At the organizational level, who should be responsible for the Internet press room? Well, for the press room itself, I think that should be the uh, the PR department or media relations, what, whatever you, you call it, um, because obviously they are the ones who know how to communicate this type of information, and they are the ones who will have all this news as, as it happens. But at the same time, they also got to collaborate with um, other groups who are responsible for other parts of the website to have more of an integrated feeling for this website. Uh, we talked before about the concept of, of search engine optimization. That's a good example of, of something that's a somewhat uh, technical concern and rather a specialized skill. And um, I mean, you could certainly have um, a PR professional learn the basics of that because it's not that complicated with the basics. But on the other hand, if you want to go and do and do everything, it's probably better left off to um, to somebody who specializes in that. And again, then the, those two parties will have to collaborate. Now, since Internet press rooms are accessible to a global audience, what considerations should be given to how information is displayed to be useful to an international audience? Well, ideally, uh, you would have translated versions for all of your main target markets. Um, and that, of course, is not always feasible because you may have a lot of markets and it's really expensive to translate everything. But honestly, that is the ideal, and so you could consider whether you can you can do that. Uh, if not, then the typical kind of fallback strategies are um, to translate mo- mainly only the main key material, or even to not translate at all, but to more use uh, more of a simplified language structure, which is, by the way, beneficial in any case because nobody wants to sit and struggle through very convoluted sentences and long, complicated words. So scaling back the, the reading level to, to something that, that more people can read is actually going to benefit everybody, but particularly international users. What are the best practices for time zones and languages spoken? I mean, should, uh, should those types of things be listed under a PR contact's name? And, and the other question is, um, 
with the volume of, of spam and the uh, the challenges uh, public relations practitioners face with respect with respect to having their email addresses aggregated aggregated by spiders, I mean, what are the best practices for making yourself available, but also um, you know uh, keeping the spam at a minimum? Yeah, those are sort of two different concerns. But but just to go go through the first one first, uh, definitely you want to have, if at all possible. Uh, press contacts who actually speak each of the main languages in your main target um, target markets, such that if you, let's say, sell out in Latin America, you have somebody who could speak Spanish. If you sell in Japan, you have somebody who speaks Japanese, and so forth. Furthermore, preferably those people should be located in the t- same time zone as that country, because otherwise it's a big hassle for, for the journalist to try to uh, co- uh, connect. And, and the last point is that it would be preferable to have a local phone number in that country as well, because people are reluctant to make international phone calls, which will tend to be expensive, and you don't really know what time it is in another country. Even if you do indicate the time zones on the website, it's never really going to be easy for people to completely understand that. So the, the preferred option really is to have have local people, and then to list that on the website. So you say, if you're from this country, you know, call here. If you're from that country, call there. Uh, and the fallback, if you cannot do that, is to at least indicate, um, you know, your um, your time zones, your your time of doing business. And remember, people may not understand always things like, let's say, Eastern Time or Pacific Time, if, if they're based in, in Europe. Uh, and in that case, it's good to indicate. Uh, for example, that it is um, plus minus so many hours from from GMT, which is something that's that's used somewhat internationally. But it's a little bit of a complicated matter, so it's never it's the secondary option, I would say. The, the primary option is to have local press contacts. Um, going to your second question, which was, well, how about email supposed to to the to the phone? And it's it's. Uh, a lot of journalists say, I want to get somebody on the phone because I want this very minute, I want the answer to my question, again, because they are so much under deadline pressure. So you, so phones are the primary contact, but, but email is certainly a good additional contact. And also many times, there's not that, that, that tight a deadline, and many times um, people actually would prefer to communicate by email because then um, they can write longer questions, get longer answers, and things can be easier sometimes that way. Uh, and the, the number one guideline here is really to actually m- m- list the, an email address for a real person as opposed to a generic email that would be something like relations at company.com because when a journalist sees an email address that says something like media relations or, or press room at company.com, they kind of feel that, oops, this is a black hole. I sent my email into this and maybe, you know, months from now, somebody will get back to me, and that's not good. Even if you don't have a tight deadline, if you have any kind of deadline, which they always do, you don't want to send something into a generic contact address. You want to send it to somebody who is listed on the website as being the contact person for the type of question you have, and you want it to go directly to that person. And it's true that if you list the person's email address on the web, um, you're going to get, um, there's a big risk of getting, getting more spam. Um, I think that the ways to counteract that, first of all, uh, really to, to uh, pay the money to get the really good spam filtering service, because there are some that, 
that can handle a lot of that. There are also some sort of coding tricks or technical tricks you can do in terms of how to present your address on the website in such a way that many of those um, kind of snooping software that tries to harvest email addresses will not recognize it as an email address. So that's a, an addition option is to not just put it there just literally as an email address, but rather to to use some of these coding tricks, like you can do some, some JavaScript. It's too involved to get into over the phone, but again, if you talk to the, the technical people in the company, they will, they will usually know uh, some ways in which you can somewhat mask the, um, the email address to these automated uh, ha uh, harvesting uh, software. The sad thing is, though, that ultimately if you want to put your email address out such that it, it can be understood, which, which is a requirement, then of course smart enough software will therefore also be able to understand it. So it's, it's, it's impossible to actually reveal your email address without revealing it. This just cannot be done. But you can do it in such a way that you expose yourself less to spam, and then you can get a better spam filter, and those two together can cut it down. But sadly, this is kind of one of the costs of doing business in the, in the modern world, is that there are some people who just have to be accessible to the outside, and therefore they will end getting more spam than then it's pleasant. Now, Jacob, um, you spend the majority of your you know, professional uh, uh, time talking about web usability. You know, you're a recognized expert. Since you published this study in 2003, in March 2003, what have you learned that has surprised you? Well, I think the most surprising is we have just been doing some uh, some eye tracking studies that we're actually presenting at a, at a conference series that I'm running here in um, in the next few months. And, and and if I can just interrupt you for a second, what, mm -hmm. tell, explain us what is eye tracking? Oh, that's a good point because that's not this is a kind of a somewhat new technology. It's basically that you can can measure where on the on the screen the user is looking. So you're tracking their eyes or you are recording the direction of their, their gaze of, of where they're looking. So that's what you basically do. And you get you know, huge masses of data. In, in this study we have 1.2 million fixations. Fixation meaning one instance of somebody looking at something. So it's, it's quite a lot of, of data you get in a much more detailed level than you get in, in other types of studies of exactly where people are looking. And, um, yeah, if anybody's interested in that, I, I, I should kind of promote that. I have this seminar coming up, and if people go to, to our, our website, which is nngroup.com, uh, then you can, you can see there the, the announcement of, of this of the seminar. But the, what I was going to say is the, what's surprising once you get this level of detail of exactly where people are looking is how ruthlessly people skip over dense information or things that do not interest them. I mean, you really see the eye going bang, bang, bang down the web page, and then they'll read in a few lines, but then they'll skip down a few paragraphs and, and start reading some more there. So, so really, when we start doing, the more we study uh, users, I think the more we recognize that they are not there to just sit and read everything we possibly put out for them. So it's really important to prioritize and be, be brief and quick and to the point, uh, and also to have the information formatted so that it's very easy to, to scan or just have the eye skip down over the page and pick up the highlights of what you want to know. Um, that is something that just 
a stronger and stronger finding the more we look into it. And, and the latest the latest study, you know, really, you see how fast the eyes flitter over these web pages, and you just kind of recognize, wow, we got to write more clearly. <laughs> Jacob Nielsen, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much. Great to be on the show. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.